<laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Kingdom 101 Relationships. I am Pastor Lenzine Lee. This is the Wednesday night Bible study for Astounding Love Global Church Fellowship and Training Center. And we're going to dive into some things tonight. I, uh, When some of the team shows up, I'll make sure that the sound is doing what it's supposed to. And we're going to delve into some aspects of the Word of God tonight that really, really speak to what it is that we need to know. Uh, I, I'm going to say it this way, in terms of what the Holy Spirit wants to say. It's kind of funny because it's warm in here because of all the lights that I have on, and they really shine very brightly. And then I have the air conditioning on, so I'm kind of dressed between summer and fall. And we're going to make sure we don't sweat. I'm not a sweating preacher. So anyway, I want to thank you all for uh, tuning in or popping in later or however it is that you happen to join us or watching the rebroadcast, whichever way it happens to be. Thank you so much for being here. It is our prayer that there are questions that are answered um, or questions that are raised for each of us to walk in, to be provoked, to think as our apostle, Dr. Baker, uh, Jay Baker, she happens to be a doctor in psychology. Um, and she has as her, one of her themes, it is to provoke you to think, forgive me for all this fussing, but I do have this like straight piece of hair that's trying to get into my eyes. And I want to say good evening, Carlita. And it's good to see you here. So um, let's go ahead and open up in prayer. And then we're going to pick up on some things. Actually, I was in a Bible study this morning and Sister Carlita, there was one of the people that was participating. And as we got into the things of the, of the word of God, he opened up an area of vulnerability. And we are going to address some of that tonight. I don't know how far we'll get, but we won't know anything until I start in prayer and I say, hi, Serena. So glad to see you too. Father, we praise you and we thank you as always for the power of your word, for its ability to manifest in our lives in the ways that you desire. We thank you and we praise you for the opening of our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our understanding to be able to move in the things of the spirit of God to be able to articulate into our atmosphere the words that you want spoken. But most of all, that we are connected to your heartbeat. It says if our ear is pressed right up against your chest and that we ourselves are comforted, guided, strengthened, everything that is necessary just by the beating of your heart, the heart of the Father for his children. I praise you and I thank you as I even pray uh, or speak these words that come into the hearing of the men and the women, the boys and the girls that you have ordained to hear this word, regardless of the season in which it is heard, but it will be the right now word for them in their lives. That each of us is prepared to move into uh, the areas of the kingdom that you desire us to walk into, even if we're not all in the same place in terms of the road that we're on. Nevertheless, we each can make the same decisions to choose to yield to you, to choose to hear you, to choose to walk with you, to choose to obey you. This is my prayer as 
one that desires above all things to be known as an obedient son of God. And I thank you for the power of your word, of the name of Jesus, of the blood of Yeshua Jesus, the power that is released to us today as we journey together in this Bible study, as we call it, this conversation about the things of the kingdom and relationships and this journey one with another in fellowship with you in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. All right. So um, this afternoon or this morning, we started to talk and your key scripture for now is going to be Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse one. We're going to read it out of a couple of different versions. I'll go ahead and start with, as Apostle Michael Fram would say, King Jimmy, <laughs> the King James Version. And then we're going to go a little more in depth with a couple of other translations. Just to be very clear about the direction that we ourselves are going to, to go in. What we're talking about, remember, this is called Kingdom, Conversa uh, Kingdom Relationships or Kingdom 101 relationships. Every program I do in some way or another always points back to the kingdom. And by the way, y'all remember to share and to go ahead and tag your friends, especially if they're a part of our fellowship, to come and be a part of this. And if you happen to be a part of our fellowship and you're simply watching, but you're not saying anything, I want you to go ahead and basically do roll call and let us know that you're here with us. You don't have to uh, chat with us if you don't want to, but I want to know who's here tonight because there may be some things that are specific for you. And if so, I'll call you by name. I may call you by name even if I don't know you're here. All right. So um, in Hebrews chapter 12 and starting in verse one, it reads in the King James, it says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset, uh, beset in the italics it says us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Hi, Nicole. Minister Nicole is here. Thank you. Um, and that's how it reads in the King James. Let me read it again. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, the next verse is going to tell you looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. But, you know, before we got to that wherefore, it was also in Hebrews chapter 11 in the 40th verse when he was talking uh, in Hebrews 11. He's going all the way through and he's talking about what we call the heroes of faith and or the the hall of fame of faith. And that he said that this one stood in faith and by faith this happened and by faith that happened. And so that whole chapter is a testimony of individuals that did not see a promise as, as the see the fulfillment necessarily of a promise, but they refused to waver and they refused to give up the picture that was written on their hearts that said, God said this and we believe him. And we will never let go of the promise. Even if the promise does not occur in our lifetime, we will die still believing what God has said is true. 
And so it goes on. And some of them, they did. They lived. They Some saw the fulfillment. Some did not. And what he said in verse 37, Hebrews 11, it says, some of these faith champions, and I'm reading this out of the Passion Translations, some of these faith champions were brutally killed by stoning, being sawn in two, or slaughtered by the sword. These lived in faith as they went about wearing goat skins and sheep skins for clothing. They lost everything they possessed. They endured great afflictions, and they were cruelly mistreated. They wandered the earth, living in the desert wilderness, in caves, on barren mountains, and in holes in the earth. Truly, the world was not even worthy of them not realizing who they were. And if you were to ask anybody if that was the testimony that they wanted to have, they'd look at you like, all right, you've got to be kidding. No, I am not signing up to be a martyr and know this and know that and the other. And I can understand it because, you know, there's something very permanent about being sawn in two. I don't even like to cut my finger, let alone being sawn in two. Uh, they were not anesthetized necessarily. These were the brutal ways that those that hated the God that they stood for wanted to take them out. They wandered the earth, it says in verse 38, living in the desert wilderness in caves, on barren mountains, and in holes in the earth. And it says, truly the world was not even worthy of them not realizing who they were. These were the true heroes commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. And some of us are right there in that same circumstance where we are living in hope and expectation. Hope, Biblical hope is the expectation that God will do the things that he said. But they did, and, and some of us, we haven't seen the fullness of what has been promised to us. And so you have to question, do you waver? because you haven't seen it. Do you waver in faith because what the promise of God that you anticipate hasn't happened or you haven't seen things occur to, for you the way you want them to? And that's a very telling point right there. It's less about the fulfilling of God's promises and more about the standard that you and I may have in terms of how he's going to do it. This is what we want to see occur. This is how we want him to fulfill it. This is who we want to be a part of the picture. Or we have all of these different things. You could, If you have a future marriage, you may have cast somebody already in the role of your spouse. Um, you know how where you want to live. You know the kind of the way you want the ministry that you believe that you're called to. You know exactly how you want it to be ordered. You know the type of people you want to surround yourself with. You know your building. You know your your location. You got all these things in your head about how you want things done, but you may not be seeing the manifestation of it because you've got a picture of your own, but it's not the picture that God has. And so. Here it is. We allow human flesh and understanding and and uh, our relationships with the things of the world or our relationships with comfort or our relationship with our own personal standards can sometimes be a delay, uh, a delaying mechanism in terms of what God wants to bring forth, because we're going to have to be in alignment with him or we're not going to going to recognize what it is at the time that it comes because it didn't come in the package that we expected it to. So side issue. Hi, uh, Betty Jo. Glad you came tonight. So that's a side issue. And I'm going to say this again. If you're on here and I don't know you're here, right, check yourself in. 
we're doing roll call tonight. And so let me know who's here. You do not have to participate in conversation, but I do want to know you're here. So I'm going to keep saying that. And again, tag others and call them and tell them it's time. It's time. Okay. So here, here we are. And um, so he said, these were the true heroes commended for their faith. Are you being commended for your faith? Who commended them for their faith? Who was saying that these are the people that were walking, they're walking someplace in right relationship with God because they get to that place where they say, it's going to be the way you want it to be, sir. It's going to be precisely the picture. And I am allowing myself to be changed, metamorphosed, if you will, to be able or metamorphosized, however the word is, you know, I'm going to be changed, transformed. I'm going to have a change of mind. I'm going to go into metanoia. I'm going to allow everything about me to yield to you, and I'm going to cease and desist from building the picture of, of what it is that I think that you have for me. Who commends your faith? Is it God that commends? Is it Jesus that marvels at how great your faith is? Or is it we, ourselves, or our friends giving each other up, at a girl, at a boy, pat on the back or on the shoulder, telling each other, this is the standard of faith that you're to walk in? Because if that's the case, um, we may have a few little things uh, to make some adjustments. And then it says this in verse 40. Let me read verse 39, the rest of it. It says, these were the true heroes, commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. Verse 40, but now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had. We have been invited to live in something better than what they had, faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to finished perfection alongside of us. Think about that. God has invited us to live in something better than what they had, faith's fullness. And this is so that they could be brought to finished perfection alongside of us because, see, we still have that road to walk on. Now let's go on over, back over to Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, so verse 12, it says, As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. That's exactly the same thing. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with a great, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. You see what he's saying? We have, who, who is comprised of this cloud? You just read about some of them in Hebrews chapter 11. These individuals who were commended for their faith are looking for like faith and even a greater exhibition of it because we have something that they did not have. We have the indwelling presence of the spirit of faith himself. We are carriers of the glory of God. We are uh, dwellers in the kingdom and also the kingdom dwells within us. And so these witnesses are looking to see what are you going to do with this so great salvation? Now that you have the fulfillment of a promise that we didn't have, you have the promise, the fulfillment of the promise of the coming Messiah. He is here with you. It's, you see, it was not the promise of a husband or a wife. It wasn't the promise of a camp, a big campground or a, a, a wonderful house. It wasn't the promise of a great job. It wasn't the promise of so many things, material things, 
or great wealth or position or recognition, your own TV show, you know, all of these different things. Those were not the promises that they were waiting for. They were waiting for Messiah. They were waiting for the promise that God had said that I send salvation. I send a deliverer. I send you the one that will come into the earth and redeem you. They did not see that on their side, but they died in faith, believing and never letting go of that. And now here we are with this great cloud of witnesses looking at us and wondering, I think sometimes, what are you doing with the promise? What are you doing in this life that you have with the fulfillment of the promise that we waited for. He's here. He's come. You're not alone. You have everything that you need to overcome. You can even stop certain things that we were not able to. Your martyrdom doesn't have to be like ours was because you're able to speak words and you're able to create atmospheres and you're able to use the same power that was used to raise him from the dead. You're able to walk in the true power of the kingdom of God. What are you doing with it? How is the kingdom of God expressed through you? How is the righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit? being seen through you? What kind of victories are being written about you in the Lamb's book of life? Because you have the fulfilling of something that we could only dream about. And I don't know that you've ever looked at it that way. I dare say much of the time we have not. And so we're wondering, well, maybe grandmother or grandpa or uncle so-and-so was in that cloud of witnesses watching us. And maybe they are. I don't know what the qualifications are. But I do believe that being commended for believing God, for choosing to, here's another way to put it. They chose to believe and they never unchose that. They never went back and said, well, I did believe, but now I no longer do. It is a promise hope. And whether it comes in my time or it comes after my time, I will die in faith. I will not die thinking that you were unfaithful. We have issues believing that the mate's going to come or that the house is going to be paid off or the debts are going to be done or that we're going to overcome physically or emotionally or whatever it is. Now, there's a there's a, a there's a disconnect because our relationships and maybe it's because they didn't have TV and they didn't have social media and they didn't have all of the distractions of life. They had a focus and he was it. We still sometimes have to put other stuff down in order to get to the place where we want to hear him and live for him and let go of attitudes. Look at Moses. He never wanted to let go of his temper. He kept those people in judgment. He kind of had a, a degree of resentment toward them or judgment or, or impatience with them, whatever it happened to be. And it drove him to the place where he lost out on getting to finish his course the way that the father wanted him to, but could not allow him to do. And so I'm going to challenge each of us, all of us, with this whole thing of things that that we look at, that we think this is what the real deal, this is the promise. And so I am touching sacred things like that um, promise of a marriage or the promise of a a healed marriage or the promise of your children coming back 
or the promise of this and that. The one that sent Messiah is faithful to his word. And we worry and dwell and major on minors. We major on stuff that is so easy because God said it. Now, if you waver because you're not sure he said it, because I know there were things I thought God had said, but I promised me he did not. And it never came because it wasn't his word. And and so we try to put things in that make us look good in 21st century, but they're not relevant to kingdom. I'm not talking about being married. I'm not talking about all of the other stuff. I'm not talking about being debt free. I'm not um, negating any of those things, but I'm saying those are not the things that you have to believe, 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 believe God for her. Because once you got his word that he said it, that's that was sufficient. His word is sufficient. You don't need him to guarantee it by giving you this sign. Maybe I can see this person's face or have a name or know my address or, you know, all of these things that distract you from winning in the places where you're supposed to be winning. We can get so caught up in stuff, whatever it happens to be, other people their issues, how they won't change, what we see, what we think, that we don't focus on what is right in front of us. If I could use uh, Nehemiah for a minute, you build the wall right in front of you. Build the wall, hit you right in front of, you know, the bricks come out of your door and build up that thing. Do, do what you're supposed to do here. Because if everybody does that, it creates a fortified uh, territory where everybody's needs are met because everyone is focused on, on doing the same thing. What? Building the wall? Walking in obedience to what we were called and assigned to do. That's really simple that way. So now let's get to that, okay? So here it is in the, in the um, Passion Translation. He says, as for us, we have all, these, all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must, and this is where I wanted to go, we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. So let me ask you a question. What do you so easily fall into? Now, the, this Bible study, the whole heading of this one is Kingdom 101. So it's elementary principles of the kingdom. And the emphasis is on relationships. And so I want to ask you to ask yourself and to ask the Holy Spirit. I don't need your answers written down, not even actually interested in you trying to tell me because you need him, Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit to tell you what you need to know to break free. I'm going to share a partial testimony with you all uh, tonight, I believe. As I as I go on with this, but first of all, what is your relationship with the sicknesses, the diseases, the problems, the issues? Um, what is your relationship uh, with your financial? I don't know what your primary issue is. Is it money? Is it debt? Is it not having enough? Is it your temper? Is it your emotions and the way that you feel or perceive other people treat you or, or how you get along or don't get along with others? Is it a diagnosis that you've had? I have people tell me uh, many times they have been diagnosed with depression. 
They have been diagnosed with uh, ADHD or whichever uh, letters you want to put there, attention deficit issues. They have been diagnosed with being um, bipolar. So that <laughs> bipolar, let's look at that for a minute. Two minds, opposite ends of a spectrum. And basically what they've been told is, according to James, that it is a double, they're double minded. And so they're being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by which they lie in wait to deceive. They're not speaking the truth in love. They're speaking sometimes what God says and sometimes what the world says. So they'll tell you, well, I'm sick or this is what's going on. And I know that the word of God says that I'm healed. And so that's my testimony that by his stripes, I'm healed. But these are some of the symptoms that I deal with. And this is the way I typically feel. And I have to take this medication because of this. And the doctor, every time I go, they say this. And this always affects me this way. And this affects me that way. And so you understand that they are more in tune with the relationship that they have with what was told to their soul, what their mind, their will, and their emotions have taken in than they are with what God has said, what their spirit has gathered. Your spirit, in that case, does not get fed the food of what the word says. But instead, our mind, our will, our emotions, they tend to speak the things that cater to how the flesh is feeling. Now hear me. In no way, in no shape, in no form, am I ridiculing, diminishing, or dismissing any individual that especially things like depression, um, sadness, uh, chronic sadness, I am not calling you anything. I'm not telling you you're wrong, but I am saying to you that there is a power that is greater than the things that we say that the doctor says that the, that the science books say that the symptoms, uh, encyclopedia tells us that the medication tells us these are what the side effects are. All of these different things. The Bible tells us that the word of God is a medicine. It tells us that it is health to our flesh. It tells us that um, his joy does things in our bones. It strengthens the bones. You can find a lot of scriptures talks about the elasticity of our, um, uh, of our, uh, what am I going to say? My, um, uh, your art, it talks about your arteries in one sense. It talks about being in depth in, in, in terms of, of different things. I have some of that written down, but I don't think I'm going to get to it tonight. But maybe I'll talk about our relationship with healing um, next week. That might be where I go. Somebody can remind me and I will deal with, we'll look at scriptures and, and say these type of things. Because you see, there are words that the word of God talks about with long life. I have promised you this with health to your bones, which tells me that if you have anything that's a bone disease, anything that is going on, the Bible says that there is health for that. This is the kingdom speaking that he's made provision for every single thing. But if we have relationship more with what our soul has in, has, has taken in, and we think this way and we say these things and it keeps going into our hearing and it's going into our eye gates and we see the symptoms. We see, we feel the pain. We feel the hurt. We feel the isolation. We feel all of those things. What I want to say to you is that you have been given, and this goes back to Hebrews chapter 11. You have been given the name 
they didn't have. You have been given the power they longed for. You have been given the name above every name and you can call upon the name of Jesus in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the, the disturbances and the spirits that are connected to many of these things that are trying to torment you or trying to tell you, diminish you or trying to uh, get you away from your identity. I am telling you that the identity you have, if you are born from above, is the, being a son. The sonship relationship gives you the power and authority to call upon the name and the name of Jesus and see a supernatural divine intervention, regardless of what the situation is. David said, Psalm 18, and I believe it's in the Chronicles, I called upon the Lord. I cried out to him and he heard me and he answered me. He came down, David says, and he rode upon the winds and, and it talks about all of these different things. God does not come down from his throne to help us. He is already in us and he has already dispatched angels to assist us. And he has already given us the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and in earth and underneath the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means every sickness, every situation, financial situation, emotional situation, physical situation, whatever it is, it has a name, but Jesus is the name that is above it. This is the standard of the kingdom that nothing ascends above the name of Jesus, especially nothing in the earth has greater power in the earth than his name does. And I want you to get that because you ask yourself, what is my relationship with his name? What is my relationship with his blood? What is my relationship with his word? Which one comes first? Whose word do I speak? Do I speak God's or do I speak what is natural in the earth? Do I speak the supernatural language about my situations or do I speak the natural you see, that would explain why the earthly, sensual, and devilish desires have preeminence instead of God. And that's definitely a violation of the ways of the kingdom because in all things, he comes first. In all things, he has preeminence. Are you with me? Um, so this is what you want to look at because here he says, so we have to let go of the wound because you're holding on to a belief or you're holding on to a, a symptom or you're holding on to the standard that you've been trained by your disease or the hurt. You know, when I was, I was in a relationship that did not end well. It, it, it really, uh, actually none of them did, but this one was pretty, really pretty horrible. And basically I was kind of thrown away. This person decided that after they had um, been able to take uh, advantage of every talent that I had, uh, my business acumen and my this and my this and my this, they did not want to partner with me in life and let me know, okay, I'm where I need to be. You can go. And I was, I was too, um, not literally thrown away because they didn't crumble me up in a ball, but in terms of the words and in terms of the attitude, I was so you, I have no more, I have no further use for you. You got me to where I wanted to go. And that's all I really cared about. And so I was pretty crushed. It was less about how the person treated me. It was more about the fact that I did not 
listen to what was being said to, on the inside of me. And I betrayed myself. That person did betray me. But I felt more tormented by the fact that I betrayed me. And in that sense of betrayal, I felt that I had also betrayed God. And I got to the place where I was even begging God for a season to put, bring that person back into my life. And I realized I was putting the creation before the creator. But in the hurt, in the piercing of the wound, I did not have clarity of thinking or thought. I did not have clear vision. I did not have a desire for God to do anything more than be what I needed him to be or give me what I wanted. And that's what we were referring to when we talk about, is it possible that you are disappointed with God, upset or failing to believe him because things in your life are not going the way you think that they should. But he never said, he was going to give you the desires of your heart according to your terms. It's really when you translate it out, he's going to give you the desires of his heart because he created us for his pleasure. We did not create him, nor did we join in with him for our pleasure so that he would give us everything that we want. It's his pleasure, his satisfaction, his delight, his standards, his kingdom. And that is probably one of the most powerful, beautiful, amazing gifts we have ever been given that the will of God, that it is the desire of God to work his perfect will in us and to bring us into beautiful landing places and to allow his power to course through us and to work in us and through us to transform the lives of not only ourselves, but other people. But sometimes we don't see that. We don't want that. You can get caught up in who you think you are and you think yourself into a dark place. You get so caught up in you. Every comment you make is about you, how you feel, how you see, what you think. God did this for me and this for me. And it really gets to be a little nauseating because we are the primary topic of conversation. He is not. We are, and we sprinkle him in. I really like God because I can wear him like a bracelet. I really like God because I can show him off. I really like God because, you know, he did all these wonderful things for me. Of course, he did these wonderful things for you. He's wonderful himself. But he didn't do things for you just because of you. He did things for you because it's who he is. He can't help it. You know, he's not here to torment you. He's not here to find fault with you. He wants you to have a beautiful life. He wants you to break through. He wants you and I to have all of the things that pertain to life and godliness. But then he wants to spread the joy. He wants to expand the territory. He wants others to come into the kingdom, others that are designated, others that are assigned. But we are assigned. He's like, yeah, but and all those things are good. Those are the benefits of the kingdom. But he also wants us to showcase the power of the kingdom. So here we go again. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. In the Passion Translation, so we, I'm reading the second part, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Uh, what's the sin? The sin is a result of the wound. The sin is going to come because of that wound, the weight 
that so easily besets us. So if you are easily offended, somebody hurt your feelings, somebody told you the truth and you didn't like it, or somebody told you so, yeah, something that you did not care for at all and you got offended, your uh, wound came through that offense. You were hit with something and it, it has really uh, something that you're not willing to let go of because of what these people did to you, of how these people talked to you, of how somebody that was supposed to be on your side turned against you. You were so caught up in that wound that you're going to continue to disobey God. This is the sin. You will disobey God because you will say, but I still feel this. You won't let it go. And he says here, let it go. And if it's being told to let go, that means you have the power over it. You have the authority over the wounds themselves. We actually, I had power, though I didn't know it, over my own emotions. I did not have to drop, be driven into such a deep hurt. I was hurt. But I didn't have to stay there. I didn't have to go into the depression. I didn't have to go into the self-hatred. I didn't have to go into the begging God to do something that is outside of his plan for my life. I did not have to yield to the way I felt. I had, as a spirit, the power of the word of God, the cleansing, healing power of the blood of Jesus to be able to go into that womb into my mind, into my will, into my emotions, to work the power. It's not magic. It's the power of God's love to let him heal, make whole, and even show me the painful part, the thorn itself in the flesh. This is the distraction. This is what your focus was. This was never from me to you. And the fear that is connected when you're in a wrong relationship, regardless of what it is, whether it's another person or it's a thing or it's a it's a habit of some sort or it's an offense that you just won't let go. Fear likes to be a part of it. Well, what would you do if you let it go? How would you live? What you know, then these people could take full advantage of you as if that were so. It's not. It's not. Because you are not your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have those. They were never intended to rule us. Our eye gates were never supposed to lead us. It's always been God. It's always been his word. It's always been his pleasure. It's always been his will. He is the only source for our wisdom, for our truth, for our direction. But when it all came and the fall came and so we started listening to our own selves and we started paying attention to how we felt and we started telling ourselves things that God did not say. And when you do that, you are connected to the wrong end. That's that uh, in, wrong end of the spectrum, if I can put it that way. And you're connected to the earth instead of being from above where you can see it from God's point of view. And I, I'm going to tell you the truth. When I was in that relationship situation, I didn't want to see it from God's point of view because God might not have the same idea I did. And I wanted that person. I wanted to be with that person. And so since I wanted to be with that man, I felt, well, you know, I don't want to hear what God has to say because if God tells me no, then I'm going to have a problem with God because this is what I want. You see what I'm saying? And I wanted it until it didn't want me. And even then I still wanted it. 
because I was just that connected to my soul. And so once my soul was hurt, once my emotions got caught up, now I am in relationship with the wound. Now I'm in relationship with the offense. Now I'm in relationship with the hurt, with the rejection, and with the fear that this person might really, really leave me and I will never be with him. And those things were the distractions that uh, you can say were um, smoke screens so that I could not see the truth about who I am, what I was called for, and the fact that God never put us together. I decided that this was God. He did not. You understand what I'm saying? And that's as far as I want to go with that, because that's that's just an example. And there's so many more. It could be uh, it can be so many things, habits or or things that we think are as fun because they are an escape. And we weren't called. That's not the way of escape that the Bible's talking about. He's talking about having the power to escape the bonds, to cut yourself free and to walk away because the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, will cut you loose, will allow you to walk in um in the in the issue and and uh, or away from the issue and to start to walk in the truth. You have to decide that you want the truth. I see a question. How did I begin to deal with the uprooting of the thorn and or distracting wound? I made a decision and this is what we're talking about. The scripture tells you right here. It's it's not a it's not a thing about how, it's a decision to do it. Because this in this passion translation again it says we have to let go of every wound. So that tells you straight out, you've got the power to do it. You have to decide to do it. And then you've got the forces of the kingdom that is on the inside of you, the righteousness, the peace, and the joy in the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Holy Ghost to set you free. You've got Romans 8, 1 and 2. It says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, to those of us that are going to walk. Let me read. I'll read it. In fact, I'm not even going to uh, just quote today. So let's go to Romans chapter eight, and then we'll flip back over to the other thing. He says, um, I'm going to read out the passion. It says, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. You see, in order to uproot myself from all this other stuff, I've got to recognize who I'm really in relationship with. I am not actually authorized to be in relationship with the past. I'm not authorized to be in relationship with doubt or unbelief. I'm not authorized to be in relationship with anything that is an enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ. I am not called to be a part of that. So there is no accusing voice. I'm not in relationship with the voice of the accuser. I'm not in relationship with the voice of the tormentor. I am not in relationship with fear, which has that torment. That is not the relate. That is not a kingdom relationship. It is a darkness relationship. It is a sin relationship. And it is a willful uh, choice to be in relationship with something that is not God, once you recognize I have the authority to walk away from this and it does not have the authority to follow me or to reattach itself to me, I would have to invite it to do so. And so here, there remains no accusing voice. You can tell it, mute, be silent. That's enough. And it has to do it because I have the voice 
of the one that has saved me. The voice that sounds like many waters that speaks from the inside of me. And what I just did in that moment was to establish the founding of the kingdom of God in my life and let it be known this is where I come from and you have no authority. And I don't have to say all that. All I had to say is quiet, be still, be muted, be gone. Whatever it is that I say, however you like to say it, it's a royal power. Be gone, banished. <laughs> you have no place here, you see. And so there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one, or we'll do it this way. For the law of the spirit, this is, uh, let me go back to voice one. Therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You're not walking after the spirit of the living God if you still believe that this any of this nonsense has authority over you, because it doesn't. You simply, I simply, we simply didn't choose to exercise the authority that we have and you don't have to, I take authority over you just do it you don't have to say it you say what God says ask him what are the words that you want me to speak that sever me from this these are soul ties this is my soul being bound to the wrong thing tied connected but I can loose myself from it with the power of the word of God which is the sword of the spirit spirit triumphs over soul you are a spirit. You are not a soul. You are a spirit with a mind, a will, and emotions. You have a soul and you live in a flesh and blood body, but you are not your body and you are not your mind, your will, or your emotions. You are spirit. Spirit has authority over soul according to the word of God because he is spirit God is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, the Holy Spirit, where he is, there is liberty. So if he is on the inside of us, which he is, if we are born from above, then we have the spirit of liberty that makes us free from all of the things, the thinks that we think that keep us connected to things that we actually, that belong under our feet. So he said here, for the law of the spirit of life in um, passion flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Fractured emotions, being caught up in a wound and continuing a cycle of sin. I'm hurt, so I'm going to do hurt to myself. You may not do anything more than go on an eating binge. You may not do anything more than go on a spending binge. You may not go shooting people. Instead, you'll pull out your credit cards and get yourself in deeper debt or you'll eat yourself until you're sick or you'll uh, uh, binge watch some kind of program and turn off the world. You'll sit in your house and you won't wash yourself. You'll sit in pajamas all day. You'll eat some kind of whatever and you'll sit around feeling sorry for yourself, watching shows that cater to your emotions or you'll play music that, that ministers to your blues or to your, you know, whatever it happens to be. These are the things people do. You're throwing a massive temper tantrum is what you're doing because you're not getting what you want the way you want it. That's not the will of God for us. Um, the law of the spirit of life that flows through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Or I'll say it, I'll read it now. Uh, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free 
from the law of sin and death, made you free. Now has made me free is what the what the writer here said after he'd gone through all of that depression, after he had gone through all, I don't know what to do and I don't know how I feel. And sometimes this works and sometimes that works. He couldn't be Paul the apostle if he was going to stay in there, Paul the victim. He couldn't do it. But when he said has made me free, that word, that Greek word means to liberate, to I am exempt <laughs> from from the from the things I, I have a I have a pass. Those things don't have authority over me. This I'm under a new law. I'm under a different kingdom. I'm in the kingdom of God. And those things, I'm not subject to those things anymore. Once upon a time, I had to obey darkness because darkness was all I knew. But when light came in, when I was translated out of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son, I was translated in with an authoritative power. That now allows me to turn to my enemy and lock him out and let him know I don't work for you. You are under my feet. I don't have relationship with you. I don't want your sweater. I don't want your uh, crumbly little raggedy this, that, or the other. You take it all back. I want nothing to do with you. I don't want your thought process. I don't want your habits. I don't want your vocabulary. I don't want to talk the way you talk. I refuse to think the way you think. I refuse to say the things you want me to say. In other words, I am absolutely, completely, forevermore free of you and you are under my feet. You don't get a pass. You don't get a recognition. You don't get to call me by name. You don't get to claim to be in relationship with me anymore. And every time we find any of your residue, anything that belongs to you, this is to darkness, I get rid of it. I don't have anything to do with it. Holy Spirit, the light bearer is on the inside of me. And he has determined to continue to walk with me and talk with me and teach me how to walk in the liberty that is mine through Jesus Christ, through his blood, through his name, through his word, through the power of the kingdom of God. This is what you've been called to. And so you can now let's flip back over to Hebrews. Okay. Um, we're going to wind this down. I'm not making this a very long one tonight. And I could go with this. Um, <laughs> let go. Of every wound. So if you were to look at, if you've got this particular translation, uh, the, the passion, some people like it, some don't, um, it's up to you. But no matter what, whether you listen to it from the passion translation or you listen to it from the, um, from the King James, he says, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight. That means let it go. And that word weight, if you're wondering about it, um, it's a bulk, a burden or an impediment. Uh, a wound. Paul was talking about a thorn in the flesh. This is why I mentioned thorn. Well, that word, when I studied it out, I haven't completely studied it out, but I studied it out enough and found this out. He was talking about a wound. He was talking about a place where a, vul a, a vulnerable place where sin had had a, a thing in him. And he kept getting hit over and over again in that sore spot. And he cried out to God because of this thorn. Because you think about it, if you've ever had a splinter or a thorn or anything else stuck in you, it you can feel the pain of it. It actually even can, can kind of hit your sensory, your memory, and you can still remember the sharpness of it. You can remember the piercing of it. You can remember how you felt about it. And he's saying them, even the memory of that keeps getting hit. You keep getting bombarded. You keep getting the phone calls. You keep seeing commercials. You see the same kind of car. You see somebody that has the same kind of job. You run across people with the same name or the same this or that or the other. I'm not, all of those things hit me. 
until I let go of the wound. How do you let go of the wound? Lord, you can have it. Do you want this? Because this thing has been kicking my tail. I'm going to allow grace to come in to help me to overcome. And the first thing grace does is it allows me to release to God everything that is not him. Everything that is, I can release myself to him, but I can also release everything that torments me or comes at me. I'm going to release it to the power of the blood of Jesus. I'm going to release it to the power of your word. I'm going to release it to the power of your name. If I don't know what scriptures to go to, I can always say Jesus. I can always call your name. And I can even quote Psalm 138 verse 8, which has been a hallmark scripture for me for a very, very long time. The Lord perfects the things that concern me. He brings the infancy of my life to maturity because that's really what it means. He brings it to completion. And so these things here that have been going on in my life, I'm going to subject myself and my life to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. These are dead works. Let them go. And then he said, what? The sin, I'm going to let go of the habit. So see, I've had a soul tie. I've had a connection to the identity of being wounded. I've had a connection to the identity of being a victim in my health. I've had a soul tie. I'm connected. My whole being, other than my spirit, has been connected to the picture that I present. I'm helpless or I'm a victim or I'm not very strong or I'm not very smart or I'm not able to do very many things. I don't have enough money to be able to do this. I have been so caught up with that picture that it automatically comes out of my mouth to speak on behalf of darkness, to reinforce what darkness has told me, to continue to speak the lie, to say what fear has dictated. But the Bible says that Jesus told us, he said, I say what I hear my father say. I don't say what my feelings are. I don't, I don't speak what my body is feeling. I only say what I hear my father say. And then he told us, and you know, it's not that he didn't see this other stuff, but he said, but I don't look at those things. I only do or respond to what I see my father has laid before me. Those are the, that's the direction that I go. I don't yield to what my natural eye sees. I look beyond that. The scripture tells you that further here. He says, because he looked beyond the cross despising the shame for the glory that was set before him. He had to, I see this. I see the broken down. I see the emotional torment. I see what's going on. I'm not blind to any of that, but I know there's another picture to see. I know that I, what I'm looking at is in the seen realm. And the scripture tells you the things that are seen are subject to change because this is not eternal. What God says is eternal. So I have to look beyond what I see right now so that I can see the change. You see, when people look at hopelessness in the world, they think everything is hopeless. But it's only hopeless until you look to see what heaven has said. And once you see heaven's solution, 
then nothing is hopeless anymore. We think our circumstances, somebody has fourth, um, what do they call it? Fourth degree or fourth uh, stage of cancer or whatever the stage of cancer. And they think, oh my God, that's it. He or she is about to die. Well, I'm looking at it from the hopeless perspective. But why do people get miraculously healed? Because somebody looked beyond with the natural eye saw to see what heaven had to say. And I see the healing and I see the wholeness and I see that God is not finished and ready for you to come home. And I see that I can reach into that place and I can say what I hear. Father, what do you want said? And I see that and I bring that picture back because that's going to be the outcome. Not what I see in the finite, but what I see from the unseen realm that this natural realm must see. That is my superhuman power as a citizen of the kingdom of God. That is your superhuman power as a son of God. We can do and bring forth the impossible because with God, all things are possible. And that's how we listen. That's how we do the things that we do. And so here, look at the last part of this. It says, we lay aside the weight and the sins which so, so easily beset. And then he says in King James, and then we run with patience the race that is set before us. And we're thinking, what? Well, I like the way this says it here. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path is been already marked out before us. It's the path to victory. We run with patience because we know that at every stop, at every place that we come to, there's restoration, there is provision, there is whatever we have need of, there is power to change the atmosphere, there's a vision from God, there's a word of the Lord that gives you the picture that you see. You see, because if God says it's hopeless, if he says that the person is tired and they want to go home, it's like, okay, go, but don't go sick. What I want you to see is cancer gone and then go if that's the way it is. Or it may be for you depression. I've seen depression until I look and see joy. I see this going on. I see poverty. Or I see lack until I look into the realm of the spirit. Father, what are you seeing? Because from heaven's point of view, I see provision. I see freedom from the things that I have been bound to. I see that I can speak to these mountains, these wounds, these attitudes, these lifestyles of, of the of the sick and the and, and the and the the tormented and I can speak the word of deliverance and I can be free of it. This is what the word of God has to say. And this is what I am changing partners. I'm walking in relationship with truth, walking in relationship with hope, walking in relationship with faith. I'm no longer walking as a companion with disillusion or um, uh, deception or torment or sadness or sickness or disease. I'm going to walk with health. Health is my friend. Okay. Love is my friend, not hatred, not, not uh, bigotry, not rejection. None of those things. I am not even what you see. Somebody would look and see a California blonde. That's what you see when you see me because that's what I am. But if you look further, you see a son of God. You see that the almighty one, you see that the Lord Jesus Christ, you see that the spirit of the living God speaks through me and says, no, there's more to us. There are more for us than there are on the other side. No matter how many it looks like there are ganged up against you, 
God, the Spirit, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is more than enough to bypass, to overcome, and to break through. By my God, I can run through a troop, and by him I can leap over a wall. Nothing shall be impossible to those who choose to believe. And in the midst of it all, when everybody else is crying and walking in unbelief, then I'm going to do, just like I saw in a Broadway play one, stop the world and let heaven come forth. You see, that's what we were meant to do. Change the atmosphere, but change it first in you. Whatever you've got going on, whatever it is that keeps you bound, whatever your struggle, whatever it is that you keep thinking, I can't overcome this. I can't overcome this. That's a lie that you've been tricked into telling yourself. Tell yourself, I have already overcome. And now it's time. My apostle, Apostle Baker, she says it this way. It's a finished work. And now I'm going to do the work to finish this thing. I'm going to bring this thing to an end. One of my favorite words, it's going to be annihilated, disintegrated, absolutely obliterated, knocked out. It's time for you to believe what God says above anything else and to go with what he said. Let God be true. And every man that speaks anything other than what God said is lying. And it's time to know the truth and let the truth do what it was sent into our lives to do. Make you free. And I'm going to end it there. Okay. Yes. I like that, Betty Jo. Victim no longer. Because this, what you've heard tonight, is the truth. And it will stand in the face of any person that wanted to try to take it apart, try to exit it, not even exegete. The word of the Lord and the spirit of the living God cannot be taken apart by the doubts of humanity. Understand that. Let's make it clear. He loves you with an everlasting love. He is in us to help us to overcome. And so when I see your names or your comments, I believe I've been having a conversation with a group of overcomers, with people that are determined we will not be defeated by the things of this world. We will learn to walk in the obedience of sonship and overcome and triumph in every scenario because the greater one, is on the inside of us. And so that's where I, I, I'm going to do my second, third close and make it there. It is the Wednesday night Bible study. So astounding love people. Y'all know what to do. So you go ahead and release your tithes and offerings and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you have questions, I'm not going to answer them tonight. Just post them and we'll come back to it. Because right now, I just want to cry. I want to weep for the joy of it. And for some of you, who are still stuck in thinking the wrong thing because I can sense it. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to pray for you tonight. And I'm going to pray that you get the truth, that the light dawns, shines in the darkness, that the entrance of his word bursts through you like a blazing light. And it brings forth a fire that tells you no matter who has told you that you're too old or too dumb or too this or too that, they lied to you. And you will understand that you are precisely the person that God has hand chosen. You did not come and hear this thing, whether it's live or it's later. You are not listening to this by mistake. But the spirit of the Lord has a word for you, has a things, some things for you to do and wants to absolutely revolutionize your life, to transform you dramatically, to bring you into the things of the kingdom. And this is what this message has been about, a totally different relationship with God himself, with his word, with his name, with his blood, and with yourself. 
So thank you so much for being a part of this tonight. You have been here tuning in. And I see Minister Frederick put it up. It's Kingdom 101 Relationships, which is the Wednesday night Bible study for Astounding Love, a global church fellowship and training center. And let's just say tonight, we have been schooled. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee. I'm very glad that you all have been a part of it. And we'll see you next week. Well, maybe we'll talk about healing, but no matter what, we will definitely do Kingdom 101 relationships. I love you astoundingly. I'll see you next time. Good night.